if somebody wanted to move to New York and play in off-Broadway shows, maybe play in a Broadway show, mm-hmm. play Radio City, what would be the first thing you tell them to do? Like, what would you say oh. to them? <laughs> Did you get a return ticket? <laughs> joining the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast with your host, Clayton Craddock. If you like what you hear on this show, subscribe to the Broadway Drumming 101 newsletter at broadwaydrumming101.com. Welcome to Broadway Drumming 101. My name is Clayton Craddock and my guest today is Steve Bartosik. How are you today? I'm doing great, Clayton. How are you? I'm wonderful. Nice to see you. You know, I'm I'm, I did some research on you, and I found your uh, your name, address, phone number, social security number, and your your entire family on the internet. I'm just kidding. Great, make good use of it. <laughs> <laughs> but I did find an article that intrigued me. You remain close to Lehigh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you graduated from Lehigh University in 1977, and you you started a. Uh, uh, I was I was six when I graduated. <laughs> That's how brilliant you are. That's why I got you on this podcast. <laughs> you were a history major. You just knew you knew what you wanted to study when you were in elementary school. Went from elementary to Lehigh. Skip the rest. So the alum is it alumni band? Tell me about that. It's fascinating. Yeah, it, uh, it, it began first of all going back. Uh, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, when I grew up, and still don't. But I, uh, uh, I. I went, I, Lehigh, uh, I, I was, a, I graduated as a history major from Lehigh. That's fascinating. It was the only thing I could pass and play in all the bands. And mm. that's not, not a lie. Um, I went in as a, I don't know, geology major. I don't know, literally rocks in my head. I don't know. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but Lehigh had a lot of um, music opportunities. It had no music major at the time, but it had, I played, my freshman year, I had rehearsal with something seven days a week and twice on literally twice on Sunday. There were two, two jazz bands, percussion ensemble, wooden ensemble, concert band, uh, marching band in the fall. And 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 I did musicals over there. Um, big fish, small pond, whatever I, I could read. And and so I ended up playing a lot and, and I obviously didn't care as much about my uh, book education as uh, the other people did. So uh, I played all the time. Anyway, fast forward, uh, not too long, shortly after I graduated, um, I got called from the alumni association about forming an alumni jazz band to play at the reunions that they have every year. Leah high is a huge rah, rah school, lots of donors, all that, uh, we will backtrack one other second. When I went there, my parents paid a grand total of $20,000 for my four years at Lehigh. Wow. That won't get you books, you know, like for the first semester at this point. Exactly. But, but at any rate, so, um, uh, cause they had tried bringing in outside bands and this and that and whatnot. So, um, you know, I said, sure, let me call around. And I called one friend of mine and he said, I think it's a good idea. So I said, sure, we'll do it. And, um, 
uh, we for, uh, found people that, uh, that, I mean, I had, a, you know, I knew a lot of people from the area uh, and um, people that had played in the jazz band or whatever formed this band. We thought it was going to be, uh, you know, maybe five years and then they'd wake up and say, you know, that was, a, that was a good idea at the time. And 43 years later or whatever it is, uh, we're still doing it. Uh, we play what started out as about six songs just uh, in between an award ceremony has gone on to be about three hours of, uh, of entertainment. Sometimes they're dancing, sometimes they're not. The format's changed a lot over the years, but we are still there every Friday night of reunion. And then that same year uh, or the next year, I believe it was, um, they asked about a marching band too. So uh, the marching band is huge at Lehigh. It's, it's called the Marching 97. It is all musicians. It is 12 ranks of eight and one drum major, no flags, no guns, no nothing else. That's all it is, just music. And uh, so we do that too. And that's, there's a Saturday parade. And um, so that plays all the fight songs and the marches. The, um, the Friday night band rehearses. We used to rehearse three, three times. Now we rehearse that day, but we rehearse and all those people still play their instruments in some shape or form. A lot of them still in, in big bands or local bands um, down there. And um, the Saturday marching band just drinks a lot of beer. And <laughs> Did you grow up in Pennsylvania? I did uh, outside of Allentown, little Bur. I say Allentown because where I grew up was called Zionsville, about 12 miles south of that, about 500 people. If you counted the cows, no sidewalks, no, uh, no, you know, everybody had wells and sewers. No, uh, I mean, uh, septic tanks, no, no public water, no public this, no public that sticks, boonies outside. Wow. Yeah, it was great. So yeah. what got you into drumming? Uh, you know, my, my father, uh, uh, played a little bit with a local fire company, played, played just enough, like your basic to keep, to keep the firemen in step in like the Memorial Day parades, that kind of thing. And then my brother, I have an older brother, seven years older, and, and he started to play a little bit. So, you know, I'm the, I'm the pipsqueak and I want to do what everybody else is doing. So, uh, I said, let me, uh, let me do this too. And, um, so kind of stuck. And um, I took, took private lessons, you know, see, you know, then, then, you know, no, no Walkmans, no, no uh, Game Boys, no, no games, you know, Pong hadn't even been invented yet for God's sakes. And uh, so all the kids in band took private lessons and I took private lessons. I, I think it cost them, um, you know, like $4 for a half an hour. It was, you know, pretty darn expensive to, <laughs> <laughs> and at any rate, I had a great teacher and he taught me how to read, which was his rudiments and reading. All through high school, I never even played on a drum set in private lessons. It was all a pad. It was a pad. It was uh, your feet on the floor and it was two pads if we did Chapin's Coordinated Independence, you know. But it was all the good books. It was Stick Control and, and like I said, Coordinated Independence, um, uh, a Rudimental Swing. Wilcox and stuff. I mean, it was a lot of that. Was it one of those wooden pads with the the rubber on the top? And then oh yeah, tilted yeah. to the edit. you got it. Hard as <laughs> hard as a table. <laughs> the real feel wasn't invented yet. They didn't know anything about that. 
that was the real feel. You had to, you know, come from hard times and exactly uh, drums right. were like made of steel back then. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sonars weighed a ton. I remember that. But yeah, and uh, and so anyway, that got me into. And then in the valley, uh, Lehigh Valley, that is, there was a lot of a lot of community theater, and um, so I I just did a whole. I mean, I could I could literally play since I could read, and uh, I I. I'm sorry, I got to backtrack this a little bit too. My um, high school band director was was a huge influence and he was big in jazz band and he was big in uh, musicals. And so uh, we got to the jazz band part where he would make he would make us memorize the music. So when that curtain went up, everybody standing, well, except the drums, and nobody had music. And we would just blow them away at these at these festivals. And we're playing, you know, we play three songs all year, but it was, you know, Buddy Rich tune and, a, and a maybe a Maynard tune, something like that. Uh, at any rate, but so he got me into playing musicals. And um, and then in the Valley, like I said, they had community theater everywhere. So I was probably playing every weekend, doing a show for somebody. And uh, I don't know, one thing led to the next. And and here we are now, <laughs> collecting my passion. <laughs> Were there like famous drummers that you were listening to at the time and, and uh, you know, idolizing? Uh, you, you know, everybody, the big bands, it was all, you know, Buddy Rich at that point, Louis Belson. It was all that kind of thing. Uh, you know, the brass players, anything Maynard did was, uh, you know, he was their God. Bill Chase, you know, when he came on the scene, I don't know if you know Bill, you know, oh my God, they had this band. God rest their souls. They all died in a plane crash. Oh. Uh, a lot like Leonard Skinner. They had just oh. put out a second album, I think. And it, it was just a killer. It was like all the trumpets and everybody playing higher than the next guy. And and it was, it would, you, I'm, you know what? I haven't tried looking it up, but I'm sure there is. I have their albums. But um, so it was that kind of thing. That's what I, uh, that's what I like playing. I like listening to uh, Deep Purple and uh, Black Sabbath and uh, Mountain and those kind of things. Ian Pace, I love the way he played, man. Left-handed. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah you look on his things. He, he was a lefty. But, um, um, you know, unless unless the photo is reversed. But I, I know, like, a, on their Made in Japan album, he's everything's backwards. Mm. But, um, but what was I doing in high school? I was playing in a polka band. Really? Wow. Backwoods of Pennsylvania. I, I got in this band when I was in 10th grade and they played these summer polka festivals in all over the place. I got later hoses sitting in my closet somewhere. <laughs> it's around my arm now, not my thighs, but uh, 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 yeah, it, you know, and here's the thing, um, you know, back when in the dark ages, uh, the um, uh, minimum wage was, I don't know, maybe a buck 75 an hour. And we were earning 10 bucks an hour playing polkas. So wow. I, I, I chose polkas over McDonald's. That was much better than <laughs> yeah. You know, even today, if somebody's going to make $10 an hour just playing at, you know, at a young age, pretty, pretty good. You know what? Yeah, seriously. But they, I don't know. Pennsylvania, I was too stupid. I had never seen a Broadway. I didn't see a Broadway show till God, I was out of college. I didn't even know what professional, uh, you know, what what real people did or, or what real uh i should say what real musicians did and what real actors and singers did i didn't know anything about that till i was in my mid-20s were you into uh history 
before you went to Lehigh? American history, mostly not, you know, Ulysses or anything of that sort. I didn't, didn't want to go way back to the Middle Ages. Smithsonian Channel and the History Channel, man. I'm all over those on TV. When you graduated, did you plan to move to New York City? Is that on, the, on your radar? Not even in slightest. I said I hadn't even I had never even seen a show yet. I never saw. I don't know. I didn't know anything about Broadway. I don't even know if I had been to New York City. Did you plan on being a professional musician after college? Uh, uh, no, it kind of, uh, snuck up on me a after school. I thought I was going to be a band director. So, uh, after I graduated from Lehigh, I went to what was then, uh, um, Trenton state college. It's now the college in New Jersey. And, um, uh, I was going to be a band director, uh, because my old high school band director, uh, convinced me to take over the marching band at the high school. He hated the march. He loved the musicals and the concert band and the jazz band, and he hated the marching band. So he turned it into a club. He turned it into a, a, an after-school activity. So I didn't have to be a teacher to run it. I was hired as a coach, essentially. Oh, wow. So I, I did the marching band for a few years um, after school uh, while playing and doing you know other little things. Listen, my rent was $140 a month, all right? Wow. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I'm so, but, uh, uh, at any rate, so I was going to be a, um, I went back to Trenton state for a, a music degree and there was a, the drum teacher there, uh, was a guy named Tony DiNicola. He, he has passed on as well, but he played with the, um, oh, I can't think he, you look him up. I can't think of the bands that he played with, but he was a pretty well-known jazz guy at the time and then went into teaching. Um, and um, it was a combination. We would talk, he, he would have lessons and we'd talk more than actually play lessons. And um, so, cause I was kind of, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And then be, it was in the middle of clarinet methods and I'm sitting there and I'm squawking on this, this clarinet barely getting through scales because to be a, a band director, you got to learn how to play all the instruments. So uh, I'm just, you know, making this thing treacherous, uh, horrible sounds are coming out of this. <laughs> and, and, um, and I'm talking with Tony he goes, and he says, what are you doing here? He goes, get out and play. He goes, you don't want to do this. Your heart's not in this. He goes, go out and start doing, you know, and playing all you can and just don't turn, you know, just go. And he gave me, start playing anything and everything you possibly can. And so um, I did, and I did it from down there. And I, uh, a, in Allentown, there was one at the time, a, uh, a an equity theater way down in the ranks of, um, it, it held 200 people. And, um, uh, you know, the equity contract was, I don't know, they used to have, I don't know what their tiers are anymore, but it was, it was pretty low in the equity contract as well. But um, I auditioned, uh, they, for some reason they needed a drummer. They brought three, it was a quartet. They brought three musicians from New York City, bass, piano, and guitar, and they hired a local drummer. That didn't make any sense to me, but I was young and stupid. And anyway, I got the gig and the conductor said, do you want to do more of this? And, I, and that was the first time I had ever heard like, professional voices too, like, you know, actors who had actually trained singing and that kind of thing. And it was like, whoa, the, the step up was ridiculous. And I said, sure. 
So he started passing my name around and I went and did a, a couple of summer stock tours while I was living down there. And I did a couple of little more things at that, at that theater. And one thing led to the next. And so I didn't, I didn't think about moving. It was four years. I moved in in 81. I moved into the city. I graduated in 77. It was four years later that I finally moved in. So why not LA or Nashville? You just were closer to New York. Oh, and hey, I didn't know what New York City was. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> New York City is way closer. <laughs> I didn't know anything about it. I, I bad L.A. So what did you move that? to New York for to be a professional musician? Because, you know, you could yeah. move to Philly or. A uh, yeah. Or... Yeah, I did. I, I, um, I. Yeah. Well, that was another young and stupid. I went straight to New York. It was like, uh, I don't know why. And my and my rent tripled. You know? mm. You know, I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I, now I'm paying 400 a month. Yeah. But, um, in a four four floor walk up, carrying my drums up and down, you know, the steps. But um, uh, yeah, so I went in and um, I got very lucky, very lucky, because six months later, this guy who I did my first show with in um, in in Allentown who asked me if I wanted to do more of this. He called me, uh, he needed a, a replacement drummer on a national tour of Evita. And uh, he was conducting that. And uh, they had to, they had to let go of the drummer and wanted to know if I wanted to come on. So uh, I moved in in September of 81 and March of 82, I was out on the road and out of my apartment. And that was the last I lived in the city. <laughs> I really? I literally lived in the city for six months. <laughs> wow. So you went on tour and you never came back to New York City to actually live. Uh, correct. I lived right across the river in West New York, New Jersey. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, uh, yeah. But I never actually moved back into the city. I, I've been living out here in New Jersey and in various places ever since. So what was that experience like playing a Broadway show, doing the same thing every night on tour? Whoa. Uh, well, I loved it. Let's start there. But, you know, we're 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 talking the uh, early mid 80s here. So um, it, it was it was a little different. The the um, uh, it was fun. I I, 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 I love traveling and I love really love traveling on somebody else's nickel. And this was a, at the beginning, I mean, this was a, this was a national tour. We sat in uh, uh, Detroit for three months. We sat in Miami for a month. We sat in New Orleans for a month, which was the downfall of my liver without question. And then, uh, uh, and then Dallas and, and other places. Then, then we got on a bus and went like a week at a time places, but it was our bus. And we never, you know, we never, it was an equity you know, full-blown equity uh, uh, national tour. So it was no no overnight trips after the show. You know, mm. it was hotels every night. There were limits on how far you could drive and do a show and that kind of thing. So it really wasn't bad. And I also met my now future wife in that show. And uh, so, uh, you know, I had a great travel partner for the whole, uh, for all of that. So I loved it. I thought it was great. When you came back, did you want to do more of that, more touring, or, or did you want to actually try to get a job as a drummer on a Broadway show? Um, either. 
my first, <laughs> I, you know, I wanted to work. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. My first actual Broadway thing, uh, I was a sub on the original Ragtime. So that was years later. That was in, let's see, that first tour for me was 82. So that that Broadway thing wasn't until like nine. My first Broadway thing was like 98. I think that's when the, the original Ragtime was there. So it was a long time before I actually stepped foot on Broadway. Oh, I did, wow. I did a lot of tours. Good tours. Tours of, of, of musicals? Uh, Vita, uh, Dreamgirls, uh, 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 Annie Get Your Gun, uh, Damn Yankees. Um, I'm missing something. Well, I did two tours of Peter Pan. Um, yeah, I did a lot. And, and wow. each one lasted. Every one of those tours last, lasted way longer than any one of my Broadway shows. I could probably combine all my all my Broadway shows and not be as long as one of my tours. <laughs> You know, it's interesting, <laughs> interesting you say that because, you know, shows generally don't last very long. Would you recommend to someone that wants to play in, in shows as a, as a drummer to to do tours first as, as opposed to just come here and and try to sub and try to get your own show? Clayton, you know, now and then are, are day and night. Mm. So it's really hard to say what's right. I don't know what kind of tours are going out anymore. You know, I don't think there is as many big tours. I I shouldn't say that. I really don't know what's out there in, in the way of tours anymore. It worked for me, mm. you know, but God, if you, if you don't have to uh, live out, if you don't have to travel, if you don't like to travel, don't do a tour. If you, if you can't get along with people <laughs> in a close situation, you know, on and on and on, don't take a tour. Um, and there are different types. The tours that I really liked were the ones where we got a new band like every city. I love those because you were always busy. And of course, by this time, I'd already seen a lot of these, you know, seen a lot of the cities that we had gone to, gone to them second and third, fourth, fifth time. So um, I loved traveling on the day off, orchestra rehearsal, first thing in the morning, sound check, do the show, boom, 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 you know. I, I, I like doing that Sunday, pack it up, start all over again. <laughs> and I also started traveling with the crew. Like, so like the cast would travel on two, uh, you know, I would, uh, I, or, or later in the day on Monday, I managed to work my way of traveling with the crew. Like if their, their flights were usually, you know, the first things off the ground on Monday morning, I wanted to do that, get in the next town, unpack, relax there so that I was ready for my, uh, you know, setting it all up by nine o'clock the next morning. When you're doing a show, it, you got to get used to, you got to want to play the same thing every night. You know, first of all, with the show, that's, that's just the deal. You're going to play the same thing every night. And then with it, with the touring, like you said, you got to be used to, you're going to see the same people. Uh, you know, and you're going to see those same people pretty much all the time, you know, either on the bus, on the plane, maybe in the hotel for breakfast or whatever it is. You know, you're going to you're going to see them or, uh, you know, I mean, I, I liked I always I, I, I when my wife wasn't with me, too, you know, we, we did a couple of shows together. We were fortunate to do that. But um, 
you know, when she was in there, I, I, I wasn't a, I wasn't a roommate kind of person. I, I, I liked my own room and then, you know, I get up and do whatever I want at my own space and my own time. And I would always get out and always walk somewhere, just go, go check it out. And cause there's, you know, like you said, the history of the place or just the, just the, the city, how do, who knows when you're going to come back? Who knows when you're going to go up the arch again or, or whatever it is, or whatever it may be, who knows when you're going to be on Beale street again, for God's sake. The one thing that it also did some absolutely tremendous stories uh, from being out there uh, of different things that happened in local bands or, or non-local, you know, whatever it, you can, it only makes sense to people sitting around, musicians sitting around talking. It doesn't make any, you know, somebody said, oh, you should put these in a book. No, nobody's going to buy it. <laughs> this is stuff you talk about when you're sitting at the bar and you're going, oh man, you know, I was in this da-da-da and this guy did this and you wouldn't have believed what happened here. But, you know, I'm also talking more, a little more mundane, but some things that you just go scratching your head. Just a brief, for instance, we're, uh, we're setting up, I believe it was Cleveland. Actually, I know it was Cleveland, but it was years ago. And uh, so I'm usually there early getting my stuff set up. And I see the percussion equipment coming in. And now we're doing Peter Pan. Now, I don't know if you know that, but P Peter Pan, actually, the, the percussion book's very difficult. It's a lot of cartoon music. It's a lot of stuff. There's xylophone lines that are that are. Uh, that are doubling the violin lines, you know, and they're just, you know, they're, and they're causing fire on the, on the thing. I mean, it's just very busy timpani hits that are bigger than the next and booms. And it's just cartoon. And um, so I'm watching the percussion equipment being brought in by a person with his arm in a sling. I go, okay. <laughs> you know, uh, I, and, and I just watch and, and eventually uh, curiosity gets to me. And I said, um, uh, are, are you helping out the guy or are you the guy? And he goes, oh, no, I'm, I'm playing the show. <laughs> and I said, won't that guy I point to? I said, won't that get in the way? <laughs> and he goes, I heard it was a light book. I thought I could play it with one hand. I said, well, I said, I know this conductor and he's going to want it a certain way, you know, and if you, you're either going to do it or you're not going to play it, I, you know, I, that's going to be it. So. At that point in time, his arm wasn't broken. It was in the recovery stage and he could actually take it out. But man, he's over there, you know, chewing Advil, like, you know, like, <laughs> like Skittles. I mean, Tic Tacs, yeah, Skittles. That's it. <laughs> and, and, you know, crying, but, uh, you know, he, the, the worst part was, I shouldn't say this, the saddest part was he wasn't the worst guy, you know, that we, he wasn't the worst of the worst, you know of the various people that we had played the book along the way. So anyway, Skittles the percussionist. So you did a bunch of tours and yeah, it's all good. your first show on Broadway was Peter Pan or Patty Lupone. Uh, oh, I should say that. Wait a minute. I shouldn't say it. Yes. My very first Broadway show was Peter Pan. I mean, it, it, it was the tour. We weren't coming in, but we sat there for for six, eight weeks over Christmas. We did we did Thanksgiving through uh, through Christmas. So that was the first one. Um, and, and it did that four different times. <laughs> we we came in the same tour played um, 90, 90 and 91 Christmas of 90 Christmas of then of 91 a year later. And then um, and then the same thing. It, um, 10 years after that, 98, 99, something of that sort. 
So the and then the first Broadway show that I ever subbed that wasn't a two was Ragtime. And I can't think of my first one. This is sad. <laughs> I can't think of my first Broadway show that was like a standalone show, you know, where I got hired just to do the show. The sweet smell of six of success you think that was it <laughs> i'm not sure what no no uh no it, there was a la mancha before that oh okay there was a la mancha, there was a la mancha in 92 oh wow that might not be yeah i did two la manchas and the first one i think was somewhere around 92 yes that was it that was <laughs> that was kind of wild and what was wild about that that was, well, when they did La Mancha, this was like the first revival, like in a long time or maybe forever. I don't know. Now, when they did it originally, um, 16 piece band and they were split uh, across the stage, but it was a very small theater. So they had eight people, I guess, on one side of the stage, and eight on the other side, but no monitors. No, I mean, they, they, it, 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 Again, long time ago. I didn't do this one, but that's what I was told. So in the revival, Mitch Lee passed on as well, but he wanted to essentially recreate the same thing. A couple of problems getting in the way. We're now at the Marriott Marquis, which is zip codes to the opposite sides of the stage. And uh, uh, we also had minimums to, the minimum at the time was like 24. So they just added musicians to create that. They split the, the percussion book into four. I mean, it was made, I think it's made for three. They, 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 they split it so there would be no doubles, um, split one of the books. But uh, I was on one side of the stage underneath the conductor with the bass player. And the other three guys were across the pond over there. The trombones were on this side of this pit. The trumpets were uh, and French horns were on that side. No audio monitors. And they didn't have a, if I'm not, it, it, the whole thing was, their theory was, you watch the conductor. And when he brought his stick down, if you played, you'll be, everybody will be fine. Now, I'm right under the conductor, so I'm, I have no problem. And, but I don't know what that, you know, you couldn't listen to them because it came back to you at a different time. It was just the weirdest thing. Eh, we didn't run very long. <laughs> there was no we, no conductor cam back then. Uh, they did not have one over there. Yeah, it was the weirdest thing. Yeah, there, there was very little. Uh, and, and I think I think at that time it cost money and nobody wanted to, you know, this was going to be the we're going to spend no money thing. Mm. But uh, um I do have I I I have a, a great story from this. The, the, the conductor, I I I'll, I'll leave him out. I, he's not working in New York anymore, but uh, and this was '92, so he um he wasn't a terrific conductor, and um, he was funny because the only time he ever got thirsty in the in the pit was was during the most difficult number to conduct, but he had to. I believe he had to show us that he could take a drink from his juice box and conduct 10 eight at the same time. It was just a thing. <laughs> I'm not making this up. <laughs> and, and, and so anyway, and again, I said, there's no way. So one time we're in this said 10, eight number 
and it's it's a big big number and and all of a sudden his stick goes in the air and it really starts to move so i'm looking over at the bass player and we kind of both you know do a little shrug and we we go faster and he unleashes this chain of obscenities down at us you know okay so after the show I said, listen, I'd, I'd, I'd like to go over, you know, what happened there. And honest to God, Clayton, I wrote this down so I would never forget it. He looks at me and he points and he goes, look, basically what I do up there does not pertain to you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, like I said, we didn't run very long. Damn. So, um, yeah, we, we opened in March and closed by June or July. I don't know. Ouch. You know, a lot of those. I had I had a lot of shows that uh, then were oh, totally under six months, but it's all right. Got to play a lot of shows. So you you know, as a drummer, you know, you usually get to do a lot of rehearsals, so uh, you get a lot more out. Yes, we'll talk shows. about your rehearsal experience in a minute. But you uh, did it again in two thousand two, Man of La Mancha. That is yes. much better, much better production. And did it run very? Brian Stokes Mitchell, Bob Billig was conducting that. Was that was that was we were really we were in a real pit. <laughs> you know it was but that was also the strike year so you know we had that to deal with but but um yeah that was a good production that was that was a fun that was that was a fun and one and you had a conductor cam and monitors at that one well we were all in the pit so we actually didn't need them okay but we didn't have monitors but uh you know it really you know it's a different kind of show it, it's not really a drum set show it's all it's a big snare drum show it's all uh, a, a lot of ostinato stuff on the snare drum mm. And uh, matter of fact, uh, I had I didn't didn't need a hi hat. I, I needed a, a snare, two toms, and a bass uh, and and a kick. I had the hi hat there because my left foot was so used to being on one, so I I just had it there. I had it totally closed, never played it, but just so that I was comfortable to sit there with it. But it's a yeah, it's a totally different book. It's great. It's a it's a totally different thing. Was it a combination percussion and drum book? No. Then then there was a separate timpani player. And then uh, uh, a mallet player who uh, who played, um, uh, I guess some ha- he played vibes. I think vibes xylophone or vi- a, a mallet or two, uh, and uh, and some handheld stuff. So when you so, uh, when you had that show, what were you looking for when you were hiring subs? Or did you take off much of that show? Uh, I did not. Uh, I I, I like playing, and, and like I said, my my. <laughs> But track, they weren't running long, so I wasn't taking off too much time. Um, so, so I, you know, um, was I looking for anything? I was looking for somebody who maybe had played it before because it was a different show, different type of show. And I can't remember who subbed for me, to be honest with you. Um, in the 2002 one, I, I can't remember exactly who did. But um, how long did it run? Um, Oh, actually, you know what? I think Joe did. I know Joe Mowitz sat, sat, sat for, uh, I know he came and played for the mallet player, and I think he played for me, too. Uh, started in December, closed by, um, I think it made it nine months. We had a softball team, so I know we I know we started, uh, um, so we made it into March, April, sometime that time. I, we we might have made it to August. Our producer was also uh, trying, he was scuffling, trying to put up this, this other, this other little show of his uh, called Wicked. And um, 
we we ended up closing so he could use a lot of our stuff. Wow. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of the stuff that he paid for, you know, set wise or like crew wise uh, things so that he could use on that little show over there. Then we had Brian Stokes Mitchell. He was phenomenal. He was so good up there. You know, you never got tired of hearing him sing. Mm. He was the same thing every night. It was just phenomenal. Great stuff. So speaking of phenomenal, all shook up. Uh-oh. That was fun. Tell me. That was a lot of tell fun. Tell me about that. Got a lot of time out of that because we did uh we we did a um a regional run. F- well, f- I that was like five years worth of or, or I was involved in that over a span of like five years. Um because first we did uh we did a bunch of readings, we you know, some presentations with just just a rhythm section and um, lots of incarnations of that different idea, different songs, but all of that Elvis stuff was like, that's, that's right in my wheelhouse. I just love playing all of that. And um, uh, we, um, so we did some out of town things when it finally got for real. Well, we did, we did a run up at uh, good speed in the smaller theater up there Um then eventually uh, we took it out to Chicago uh, and did it out there. Um, and it's funny because uh, we were in Chicago at the same time the Spamalot was out in Chicago. So um, I was seeing our friend uh, Sean McDaniel a lot because he was that was his like first big gig. And so uh, we, we did a lot of hanging in each other's uh, pits and things. It was fun. Mm. And um but then, then we came in. It was so much fun to play that music. And man, we had a Hammond B3 in the pit. You know, it's like, oh man, <laughs> the sound of that is just so great to play with. Yes, it is. Oh my God. So uh, I don't know. It was a lot of fun music. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, it was a you know a little mismanaged. It probably could have run better had uh, um, things uh, gone a little differently in the in the in the hierarchy upstairs. Um, but the, <laughs> they were having big money problems by the end. Uh, I think, I think our marquee came down before our show closed. <laughs> it was, it was a little ugly, <laughs> but we had a great, again, we had a great softball team that summer. So, <laughs> you know, that made it all worthwhile, but no, it was a lot of fun. And uh, it, it was great. Uh, it was great playing the music. That was a lot. These are the, you know, these are the things when the band's having a great time, band's having fun, they're playing the music, everybody's getting along. Well, you know, that show's not going to last long. You know, you're in trouble when everything's, everything is so smooth in the pit, you know, something's, something's not gonna, it, it just seems that seems to be more the case than not. You know, that's, that's exactly what happened with ain't too proud, man. We, we, we still to this day have a text chain that goes on and, we still cut oh, yeah? each oh. other. You know, the show closed in January of 2022, but we're still like connected to each other. And yeah, we all got along and we had a great time. We laughing and joking and, and the show didn't last very long, but that's, yeah. that's a whole other story. But uh, we, we have, we have a, we'll, we'll have to talk uh, sometime off air. Yes. Yes, we will. Off this because uh, cause you did, you did probably did the uh, dance rhearsals and all for that. Right. Yes. With our buddy Sergio. Yes, yes. I worked a lot with Sergio. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the the tour of all. Well, he came in at the end of 
we met during uh, it all shook up. He came in right before the Broadway version and 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 it had to redo our whatever. Ah. He came in there and then we did and then we did some other. All right, you know, Again, you, know what, you know what? Really quickly, because that's one yeah. thing I I don't, I've never talked about on this podcast is the relationship the drummer has with the choreographer and working with different choreographers and trying to understand what they mean and what they want. Uh, what, did you ever have any kind of, I shouldn't say trouble, but when did you, I guess I should just ask you, have you, did you finally figure out how to interpret what someone like Sergio would ask, you know, can you give me this here, or a boom there, or did you figure out how to interpret what they wanted and, 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 and what they were translate saying like that into drum into drum a language that they can understand through your drums uh yeah it, it, it's it's definitely a learning curve with with every single one uh, um and and i like that too i i i find that I, I, I don't know. I, I, I find it fun, especially, especially when you figure them out and, you know, and when you get on the same page and sometimes and yeah, I'm not telling you anything. No, I'm not telling anybody anything here. You know, sometimes it happens fast or faster than others. And sometimes it's, boy, you're still not quite sure, you know, what they're after, but yeah. And you gotta, you gotta keep your mind open. You gotta, you gotta listen. You gotta listen with your eyes a lot of times you know, to what they're saying and, and actually seeing what they're doing. You have to play with your head up for sure. And that's, that's the hard part. A lot of times is, you know, especially if you don't know the music or you're just getting the music, trying to stay with that. And, and I heard one of your other guys talking about this. I can't remember who, but, you know, trying to make a blend of what they want and what fits with the music. And sometimes it will, sometimes it'll, you know, fit very nicely and other times it's you know you got kicks that are out of the blue that don't fit with anything but but they're right i mean and and again i heard somebody else say it's not about you sometimes and most of the time it's not about you it's about the product it's about the picture um but it is um it, it's fun when it when it really works and uh and and when you really start to get on because then after a while they just say oh you know what i want you know, you, you do, and and then after a while, they it gets to the point where you just do it, and eventually they'll uh, they, they'll maybe make a suggestion or a correction or you know or and then the great part is when you do something and you both at the same time go yes or no that's not right <laughs> you know you but you both you both know it at the same time, and that's that's fun but it definitely um um it's a challenge and and um. It's, you want to work with them, obviously, and you want to also kind of make what you are. You are definitely the bridge between between what's going on in the band in, in with the music and with the choreographer and, and trying to make all of that work. And sometimes you you got to talk to them and say, you know, well, we really have, you know, the music's doing the hit on for them on the anticipation <laughs> of, of the no, you know, that kind of thing. You gotta, you gotta learn to talk their language. You gotta learn it's five, six, seven, eight, you know, not one, two, three, four, or, or thereafter. And the push of this <laughs> and that, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta learn, learn their language. And sometimes even there, they are um, different. You know, they, they have little different things. And there's some that, um, 
we'll go over it all the time. Some that rely on you for the tempo, some that, you know, you got to just follow their tempo, you know, uh, at least in the rehearsal section of it, you know, you, you hope that there's the conductor around there. Cause sometimes, as you know, you're working with uh, dance arrangers, not necessarily the conductor. And, you know, so, so they're, they're doing a whole nother thing. And, and some, Sometimes you got to bridge a gap there because you got to hope that the conductor sometimes can step in and be the traffic cop for all of this and say, you know, oh, no, 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 we need this here or, or, or there. And, and conversely, I mean, I've gotten some, I've gotten some jobs through the choreographers, you know, uh, one that comes to mind, I mean, with Sergio, I got guys and dolls. He's the one who wanted me to be on that show. Mm. Uh, 2009, I guess it's a while back. But that was when we were doing some of the All Shook Ups and some other things. And uh, he had me come in and playing all his dance auditions for that. And, uh, you know, and so, uh, and, and that, that's happened uh, a couple of times here and there. It's just been, uh, you know, and I, and I know I'm not the only one in that case. I know other drummers who, who have a good working relationship with different choreographers. There's many choreographers out there as there are drummers, you know, and, and if you can, uh, you know, get a good working relationship with some, it's a, it's, it's a fantastic thing. Same with conductors, you know, you know, drummers, there are conductors that, that have their own drummers that they like. And a lot of drummers, that's how I got a lot of my work early in my tours and stuff. You know, the conductors would say, I want this guy on it. It wasn't necessarily a contractor thing. You know, I got to meet Michael Keller that way, you know, a, a guy, a conductor brought me on a show. And then uh, met him, and then he ended up putting me on some of those other things. Sweet Smell of Success being one of them. That was a fun show to play, meeting Marvin Hamlish and doing stuff with him, because he's a genius, was. God rest his soul. He's not a kid anymore. So <laughs> I don't know what year things started to change or when they started to change, but you had an Elvis musical in 2005. I know there was uh, you know, Lennon. And, you know, even Sergio with uh, Jersey Boys, you know, of course, I did the Temptation show and there's Tina out now and, you know, there's Gloria Estefan and, you know, all kinds of. Don't they call them jukebox musicals? Or that's what now, I don't know if Ring of Fire was one of those. That was a funny show. Uh, I was hired as an understudy on that. We had we had 11 understudies for 14 people on stage. It was a little crazy. So before you go on, I'm looking at the playbill yes. here. Uh -oh. Jeb Brown, Jason Edwards, Jared Emick, a bunch of different other people. Steve Bartosik. <laughs> August, uh -huh. this is the cast list here. Yes. <laughs> and August Eric's but that's fascinating. So you were part of the cast. Right. Well, yeah, it was actually <clears throat> it was actually under an Agva contract. <clears throat> or whatever that is excuse me uh, although they played all their benefits and um and pension whatnot to uh to the musicians union so we got that do you um uh, do you see many shows that you perform in like from the audience you take a day off and see the show i don't think i ever have wow i've, I've come in early like i've seen uh, uh bright star i remember uh I was doing something else and had to, and had to miss uh, or come from somewhere. So I like would sit out and maybe watch an act or something like that. But uh, no. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I'm not a big, 
and I tell people that right off the bat. I mean, when I get a sub, you know, I try to try to keep them fresh, but I, I, I like, I like the, you know, I like the Broadway money. I like the Broadway, uh, and you know, and I don't, when I'm doing a show, I kind of jump in with both feet and I don't get a whole lot of, well, don't do a whole lot of other things just to do them. Cause I don't, I, I guess I don't get bored with it and that's a blessing or a curse. I'm not quite sure which, but, uh, I don't, I don't get bored doing the same thing over and over. I find it a challenge. Guys and dolls. Yeah, that was cool. So tell me about how'd you get that gig? Well, I think that's the one that, uh, that, um, um, I mean, that was a Michael Keller thing. And, um, but that was, I, I mean, Sergio, I, Sergio, I had been doing a lot for him originally. And, um, uh, but I, I guess that was a combination I can't, I can't remember. We were on stage there again. We, you know, another short lived one, unfortunately, you know, got a lot of rehearsals. I got a, played a lot of auditions, played a lot of rehearsals, a lot of dance things, but uh, show itself didn't run. That was, that was wild. Cause we were on stage in a three tier thing, rhythm section on the first floor, brass on the second floor and uh, uh, strings 25 feet in the air had to walk up spiral staircases on each side. Wow. Yeah. And then they brought in this giant LED screen that literally went right behind the conductor. And so he's like this far away from the fans that are cooling the LED screen. You know, I, I, yeah, I'm sure they, that there, I'm sure there was a health issue there somewhere. You uh, have done a lot of stuff for Radio City, uh, yeah. for the Rockettes and the Radio City Christmas Spectacular. How long have you been have you been doing that and how did you get involved in, in Radio City? Uh, my, my, I guess the first thing was, uh, a workshop of one of the new songs. Uh, one of the new numbers in the show somewhere in 99, 2000, it was a long time ago. I I mean, it was somewhere in there. Um, Mark Hummel, you know, Mark, by any chance, uh, piano player, dance arranger. Um, what was he? He was the, um, uh, Newsies was his, he was the conductor on Newsies. He's done a lot. He's done a million things too. He's been the dance ranger on a lot of things. Um, uh, great, great. He's a terrific dance ranger. Anyway, he's kind of one who got me started in it because um, we were doing other things. And um, I don't know, it, you know, started out by just doing a little bit, you know, working on the, working on the workshop of some new musicals, uh, new, uh, new numbers in the show because uh, they have to try them out first and get approval, that kind of business. Um, so that led to being, um, they used to have out of town um, companies of the show, smaller, smaller renditions of it. Uh, instead of 36 Rockettes in the line, they would have 18. Uh, it was essentially the New York show. Uh, they have a whole stable of numbers that they can kind of mix and match that kind of business. But uh, we would go uh, <clears throat> out of town and rehearse. Uh in a uh, later other places that they finally settled into this um, abandoned or unused, not abandoned, unused uh, outlet mall in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Fantastic. They, <laughs> they literally um, set up dance floors and mirrors in, in famous footwear. And uh, I don't know, whatever, whatever. I mean, literally you're in the mall. You still, you still have, you know, the kiosk in the center of it. Nobody's there anymore. You got the food court, you know, and, and, and in these different shops, they, 
and they would rehearse up to four different companies uh, at the same time in this mall because they they used to send them out everywhere. Anyway, that's where I, that's where I got started doing those rehearsals. It's piano and drums for rehearsal, um, and uh, then um, but the, but <clears throat> no live band for the show. That's another story for another day, and um, uh, and I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> but anyway, then. Um, then they they it was 2007 this uh huge um they were going to replace an hour's worth of the 90 minute show in in one fell swoop and uh mark hummel was doing all the 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 uh, musical arrangements for it and um he pulled me in to be the drummer of that and so i got to work with him and help create drum parts for about an hour of the the show and but we started in february on the and and two two to three weeks a month february march april all through until finally rehearsal started like the day after labor day in september it was a lot of work there's a lot there's a lot of a lot of replacement and it's a it's a big you know corporate machine it takes a long time to there's a lot of moving parts that's the word i wanted a lot of moving parts between the set designers and the and you know work works on the stage and with the music and everything's on a time code so that everything pieces together very nicely and and works together. So um, that was my uh, the the choreographer director at the time was a woman uh, named uh, Linda Haberman, and she taught me a whole lot about drumming and working with dancers. Um, just you know what works for them and what they need and they they are very specific about uh i want a wood block for this i want a triangle for that i need a i need a and and, and uh, you know mark tree da, 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 da. so we also were working with v drums then out of town at the time and uh you could put all your all your different sounds right at your fingertips so i had to do was programming then they moved the V drums into the, into the hall, I think, in two thousand six. Um, but at any rate, uh, so that's and then that was that for I started um, subbing for uh, Tom Oldkowski, who was a drummer there. Did some, you know, when I when sometimes I would sub, sometimes it would depends on the year if I had a show or didn't have a show, kind of kind of thing. And um, you know, I, again, I keep saying this, but one thing led to the next, and here we are. I mean, it, 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 there's no no direct path, I guess. But uh, now, now I end up uh, playing all the uh, Rockette and dancer uh, ensemble dancer auditions that starts in April. And um, if there is new workshops, I've been working with with those for the new numbers that go in helping. David Chase does a lot of the uh, dance arrangements now. And, uh, you know, and He's terrific. He knows. He's been working there a long time, dude. He's got he's got numbers in that show from way back. Tom Olakowski was the drummer for Radio City for quite some time, I guess. The yes, the the orchestra drummer. Yes, it's a little it's a little different. They had they they had a bit of separation of church and state, where uh, the drummers that were doing rehearsal were, were not necessarily were not in the orchestra. Tom was in the orchestra. And, and so they had, they, but Tom also, I, I, he had some other things going on. I, I think he's a, he's a lawyer. Uh, he, he did manage to, yeah, he's got a, he's got a law degree and he's a very successful uh, lawyer. 
So uh, I know it had something to do with the, you know, the Radio City Orchestra used to be like pretty much full time. They did Easter shows. They did a lot of other things. And then they cut out the uh, Easter show and they only had the Christmas show. So um, I think he went and, you know, did some did some other things. So I, I don't know. Since I've been involved there, <clears throat> excuse me, since I've been involved there, Tom hasn't done the rehearsals. A lot of other people have played the cast rehearsals for that. But that's fun. I got to tell you real quick. I love those rehearsals because there is no guesswork whatsoever about how long you're going to be sitting there at the drums and what's going on. They literally start the rehearsal to the second at 10 o'clock. They have clocks that are synchronized in all the rooms with the second, you know, 58, 59, 10 o'clock or whatever time it's usually 10. Uh, stage manager says, we're, you know, here we go. Or we're, we're you know, that's it, 10 o'clock. And, and you work for the next hour and 20 minutes to the second. It doesn't matter if they're in the middle of saying something, if they're in the middle of a dance number, they don't care. It, not that they don't care. It doesn't matter. To the second, stage manager stands up and says, break. Everybody stops. Ten minutes later, to the second, the break is over. Stage manager says, break's over, and we go right back to work for another hour and 20, and then take lunch. <laughs> it's phenomenal. <laughs> you can plan everything. You know, you can tell somebody, I can call you at, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can call you at, you know, one at 12 12 51 i know i can talk to you right there <clears throat> that kind of thing it's great that's cool man <laughs> it is so cool as opposed to oh you know oh, i think so and okay well we're sort of back we're not he's talking to this one right da, da, da. right oh no 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 bing bang boom and you and you're in you're out and same thing when we get into tech rehearsals i mean to the second but it's longer it's hour 45 uh um sessions then instead of hour 20. The one thing, like I said, with Radio City, totally to the second on the clock, no questions asked, never an argument. <clears throat> That's And the stage manager <clears throat> keeps an eye on that clock like nobody's business. It's fantastic. There is never any guesswork. If people want to play drums or percussion like Joe Horshevsky, uh Joshua Samuels. I love Josh. Oh my God, one of the best. Yes, and yourself. So there are two drummers and and or there are two drummers that split the chair and I guess right. are there two percussionists or it was Joshua four, four percussionists? There's two chairs, two chairs, each gets two people, so a total of four. Oh, okay. Correct. So you both have to audition every year for that? Uh th this year we had to. Uh, I, I'm sorry, 20, 2021, yes. Um the first time I auditioned when, when Tom de decided uh, to leave was 2016. And um, I believe it was 2016. And uh, Michael Croyder and I both had the, sh had the chair. And um, then somehow a, 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 a clause in the contract was exercised. Uh, and for the next four or five years, it went a year at a time. It wasn't, you know, we found this out, whatever. It was a year at a time thing. They had to make the decision every year. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, bass, 
guitar and drums did not they they kept the rhythm section together the show it began the show was essentially the same so they didn't see a big reason to or i don't know to be honest with you, i don't know the reason i was the definitely one of the beneficiaries of the reason why they kept us and we didn't have to audition for a few years uh then uh covid so 2021 they had everybody audition again I mean, everybody, every single Rockette, every single, everybody that had been involved with the exception of the director show, everybody had to. And I get it. I mean, who knows what, you know, some people stayed in shape. Some people didn't. Plain and simple. In more ways than one, they stayed in shape <laughs> or not, you know. So I totally get that. And, um, but yes, yeah, so, uh, so, and then last year, I know Mike did not, he chose not to audition last year. So um, I was fortunate to, uh, to get it back. And um, and so this time it was Joe and I, and uh, we don't know what the, the future brings yet, but you can go online. You can go on their website and find a, you can still find the audition pieces there. If you, if you, if you care to do that. And I, th I think the clicks are still on there and everything that you, that you need to audition. It's two, it's two uh, segments from the, from the show Two uh, two P two. What's the word I want? Come on. Selections, two two pieces of two selections of two numbers, are, are what what the drum audition involved, but it's all about playing to the click. I mean, that's really what it's all about. That's what they want to hear you do, and it's blind. You know, the 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 uh, the adjudicants are behind a uh, screen, a uh, a wall, and uh, there's a sound guy in there, and he'll help you out and get you set up, get your levels together, and then. He hits a button, one, two, three, four, off you go. That's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Takes years off your life, let me tell you. And I don't have many to give. <laughs> so how long are the pieces that you have to play? Not long. Not long. Two pieces. Uh, I, 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 I had a kid here yesterday that was interested in that. And uh, uh, we, we went over. It, 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 it's not very long. It's all about, it's all about having a bit of a knowledge of V drums. Cause you gotta, you gotta be able to essentially turn the machine on and know where to, where to find the different, cause you have to change kits and not during the number, but we change kits. We, we have, we, we have them all in a chain, but uh, we, we, we use like 15 different kits throughout the course, mainly because we have auxiliary pads. You have your basic drum kit, but then the auxiliary pads and those, those instruments change from, uh, from number to number. And sometimes we need, suspended symbols and you know more triangles and wood blocks and da 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 um we have a little different sounding drum kit for the finale because it's a little more rock thing instead of instead of a you know a jazz thing of course we have a different sounding kit for for the traditional wooden soldiers we want a different sounding snare drum for that than we use for uh some of the other stuff so anyway so we are changing kits constantly throughout the show Stuff I never, never even knew about. Now it's it, this is a whole new thing for me. You know, I've I've known about how to do a Broadway thing, but playing something like that—it's an hour and a half that you're playing, and you're playing. Kind yeah, yeah, yeah. It's some, yeah, it's it's definitely under ninety minutes. Yeah, I forget uh, the exact somewhere around yeah eighty-five minutes or something. But it's pretty intense. I mean, you know, there's no turning back. It keeps coming at you. You know, and like you just like you just <laughs> you just did the thing. You know, you get that click going for you know, speed up, slow downs, da, 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 you know, one number after the other. 
three doesn't matter five eight bars whatever it's it's and the guy talking to you you know one however you can adjust him you can you can turn down his voice ah, i didn't know that we have individual where you can turn the click way up and the voice way down if you want but it's nice to have a little voice in there you know just in case you you know, where was I, <laughs> you know, a- 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 after doing your, you know, 75th show in three days or whatever it is. It's not quite that many. We, we're, we're capped at 16 for the week. So, so you can only do 16. Which is only yes. <laughs> but if you want a day, <laughs> if you want a day off, that means you're doing 16 in, in six days. If you want to get a day off out of the deal. So you have, there are two drummers and you can have subs for yourself or do you, do you call yeah. the other drummer first? We uh, we kind of we work it out between the two of us. If something comes up, we see if we want to switch a show with each other along the way. And uh, and we stay in pretty much constant contact as far as, uh, you know, keeping what subs fresh and that that sort of deal. And uh, and even constant contact almost daily to make sure, yeah, you're coming into this time. Right. I've got this show. You've got that show. Cause there's pretty much no such thing as uh, one going up late and two, uh, you know, can't go up, can't go up without a drummer. Can't go up with almost anybody, but it, it has. And, and the, the band, the cart will come down and get you if you, if you miss, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to radio city, you know, somebody like myself, who's never played the show before, you know, if I just come in and for some reason nail the audition, they're like Clayton Craig, you got the gig. It's like, do they mm-hmm. do they necessarily want somebody as green as me to be the you know half the drummer for something of this magnitude? If you if, you, if hey, listen, to my knowledge, you if you you killed the audition, you got it. You're it. Yeah, I, I, it would take some. It would take some. You know, there'd be a learning curve after that. But Joe did it. Joe did it this year. You he know, he was a sub there from time to time, right? Uh, he he played the. Uh, he almost played the uh, the revival of the spring show, yes. but then unfortunately yes, they pulled I the plug that. on he that. He told me about that. Yeah. So, but he he uh, he got a hold of. Um, uh, I mean, we you, we get he got a hold of. Um, uh we got him a book and we got him uh you know some uh recordings of the clicks and stuff there were there was going to be some new things because there's always a little bit new every year but he he got a hold of the the show prior and you know joe's he's he's a great sub i mean he subs everywhere yes he does he's uh he adapts to this stuff very quickly and uh and he sheds like crazy so um you know he knows the drill and so he he came in pretty much ready to go so so much I give so much credit to him for that. It was pretty pretty darn amazing. I couldn't do that. I, I, I can't learn things that fast. First date. Yes, a lot of fun. Really? Yeah, that was great fun. Well, that was a V drone show too, but that was that's because we were on stage, right behind a curtain. So, uh, go ahead. Playing V drums as opposed to playing real drums. Um, you know, there's obviously a different way of playing them. I was, I had to use them when I was at a show called Alter Boys in 2005. And I learned a lot about how to program them. And, but, um, your experience with them as opposed to playing, um, 
acoustic drums, do you prefer one of the other? I, I, I'm, I'm assuming you prefer acoustic drums. It's the right tool for the right job. You know, hmm. that, that they're both, they're both, they're both, uh, you know, weapons in the, in the, in the, in the quiver or whatever. It's uh should, I think you should have a knowledge how to do them both because they're, whether it's V drums or some other model, some other version, uh, because for state, for example, it wouldn't have worked with acoustic drums the way we were set up literally right behind the curtain. You would have heard all of this spilling out into the stage. They would have, you know, maybe they would have put a plexiglass or something like that. But for some, we would be, we would be shown every now and then they lift the curtain, you know, they, they see us there, they drop it back down. The, the important sound is out in the house. The important sounds, not so much what you, what you're hearing with you. And it's nice to have it really well. But what we were finding out, you know, with V drums, there's so much you can do with them. There's so many effects you can put on them and, and, uh, you know, the reverb and blah, 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 and this and that. And I mean, there's a million different things. But we found if you put that on back here and then run it through the sound, and then try to put on like reverb out there or something, it it doesn't work. You, you get you, the joint, the, the, the um, gist of this is we put out a, like a totally flat, clean sound out to the house. And especially Radio City, when they got a gazillion dollar sound system, they can mess with it and make it sound good. But that's what we did with First Date, too. And if you got a guy like August who really knows what he's listening for, he can say, oh, you know, take, 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 roll, roll the blah, blah, blah of the treble DB, you know, roll it back. I, you know, listen to me. I, I don't know squat. I know what it, I know how to do it in the box, but he would tell me exactly roll, roll this off by this much or add this much at this frequency, mm. put, put this, you know, put some of these highs back to this drum. So I go do that there. And then, and then they could work with it out there and, and add their, all of their other reverbs and blah, blah, blahs and echoes and everything else out there. And, and it, it sounded terrific out in the house anything is in in the back so the guitars were going direct they had a fractals or whatever they're called and the keyboards were going direct bass players going direct <laughs> but we had for a couple of numbers we had a live saxophone like a barry sax for some some like low things so you'd hear everybody you know you'd hear all the tapping everything like this with your Boom, <laughs> so you hear one live saxophone playing. If you were, if you took your headphones off, that's what you heard. You put your headphones on, you know, it's rocking out and everybody sounds great. <laughs> it was just kind of funny. But uh, first day was a lot of fun. That was another one of those. The band got along great. The music was fun to play. Uh, we were in ridiculously cramped conditions at the Lawn Acre Theater uh, backstage. There was just no room. And, uh, and everybody had a great time. And so naturally we couldn't run. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sucks, man. Yeah. Yeah. We started, I forget what that, that was, I think we started in August, yeah, August 8th, 2013. Yeah. And then we maybe, did we make it to new year's January or something? <laughs> I, th I think it was, it was only a handful. I don't think we made it past it. They, they said they weren't going to shut us down at Christmas. So I, was that the one? No, wait a minute. There was some other show I was on that they they said they wouldn't shut us down at Christmas and they they bit the bullet for two weeks or something. Oh, it was another August show. It was an off Broadway thing called Walmart Walmartopia. Mm. It's probably not on your list there. I got a few good off Broadway ones that uh, were fun. 
Anyway. Yeah, I'm looking to see how long it ran. Week ending ending January 5th? It didn't end January 5th, did it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Really? That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, that's it. That's, yeah, yes, exactly. That's too bad. <laughs> I had a lot of those. Oh, I didn't have, I don't think, I think my longest Broadway show was nine months. And that was, that was the uh, second La Mancha. That was it. Everything else was shorter. Bright Star 2? Bright Star was, yeah, we closed shortly after the Tonys, after we didn't, uh, after we didn't get anything. Uh, yeah, that was, that was the year of Hamilton. Um, yeah, we, uh, but I did, you know, did out of town. We did DC with them first. That was Steve Martin, so, Andy Brukel. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, they were great. They were a lot of fun. He, what a, I mean, you know, I mean, he's a Grammy award-winning banjo mm-hmm. player for a reason. And he would play with us every now and then. He'd go out there and play the on track. It was great. Until the audience got the word that, hey, you know, every now and then Steve Martin comes out. So they'd bring the curtain up. And when Steve Martin was there, the place would go nuts. <laughs> and the days when the curtain came up and Steve Martin wasn't there, everybody go, oh, <laughs> it's like, oh, come on. These guys are out there playing their hearts out for you. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt when I would come out of the stage at either Memphis, the musical or at Ain't Too Proud. You know, they see a black guy coming out of the stage. You're like, hey, oh. it's like, yeah, I played drums in the show. They're like, OK, OK. <laughs> Not sure, yeah. <laughs> Next. Exactly. Where's where's Otis Williams and David Ruffin? Yeah, anyway. Yeah. That's the yeah. Well, it didn't happen at, at Ring of Fire either, just so you they, know. They, <laughs> they didn't think you were Johnny Cash. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> there was no Johnny Cash. How do you who was Johnny Cash? Yeah. There was no idea. Mm-hmm. But yeah, first date was first date was great. Uh that 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 was a that was we had great time in rehearsals and um uh, great time playing the show. A lot of fun. Good time making the uh, the CD was a lot of fun. Oh, as a matter. Oh no, that was the Bright Star. Do you remember? Um, uh, there's a drummer, uh, Russ Kunkel. Yes. You, you know James Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Well, his son. His son was the audio engineer for the Bright Star. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, our music our music uh, supervisor was uh, Peter Asher from. Um, uh come on peter and uh back in the 50s uh um oh this is horrible um with a thing without love uh where i can't can't live in a world without love peter and peter peter and david from the 50s anyway and he was also linda peter asher was linda ronstadt's producer for a gazillion years so he was the producer of our cd so he knew he knew a little bit about stuff. He was good. Anyway, I Peter and Gordon. Peter and Gordon, thank you. <laughs> I... Thanks for looking that up. <laughs> yeah. Ah. yeah, you Google them and you'll you will you will recognize some of the old songs. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So somebody wants to move to New York and play Broadway musicals off Broadway, uh audition for Radio City. What would be the first thing that you tell them? You know, this is what you need to do. <laughs> Did you get a return ticket? <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. It, it, uh, you know, 
knock i guess you know knock on the doors just you know make yourself known don't be a pain in the butt but uh you know be respectful and uh you know see if you can you know and and draw people take things differently too it depends you know uh but yeah knock on some doors and just uh, see if you can go in and watch i i guess you can't even do that i'm understanding though right now you can't go sit and watch a show so right now i don't know what the heck to do seriously i don't know but it, it let's let's say let's say this thing's all over and you can go back to the way it was but yeah knock on you know knock on some doors be nice to you know say you just want to come and listen if that's possible you know i don't care I'm not looking to sub I'm looking you know you want to you try to get his try to get uh try to hear as much as you can and see what other people do and you know try to learn something from everybody you know take a little bit away from it uh, of everybody you know you sound like you or at least I, I i i can't i can't make myself sound like this person but i can certainly get some ideas oh that's how he does that oh i never i never realized that before oh i, I like the way he set this up i never thought about doing it that way or or, or, or something of that sort there's always something you can learn somewhere from somebody and you know try you never i've heard other on some of your other podcasts you know you never know where your next job is going to come from and and it is hard it's a catch-22 you know you need work to get work kind of thing or but um i know one i used to do the i got into doing these cabaret shows you know whatever they were don't tell mamas or mcgraws or whatever they were and you know do some really lame acts but you know you'd, you'd get a, a piano player or something that would one of his vote one of his students one of his that he would be a vocal coach of would want to do an act you know you know they can they can pay you a, a quarter and 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 a cup of coffee and okay i'll do this da, da, da. well i was doing a few with that well the next thing you know this this piano player he gets a broadway show and uh and he you know and he goes he goes i think i get one day i remember calling up he goes I have an act here. I, I think you're really going to want to play this one. <laughs> and it was Patty Lapone on Broadway. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden he got he got tabbed to do that. So um, yeah, don't try try not to turn anything down. You know, maybe know know your know your weaknesses, know your strengths, and try to and try to take advantage of both or or you know work on your weaknesses and but don't take a job that you're not don't take a job you're not ready for either i mean i mean i would never take a job as a percussionist a mallet player i'm you know give me whole notes on the chimes at quarter note of 60 we might have <laughs> then i might be able to do it <laughs> yeah. but other than that no you know i'm not your person but uh i don't know it i it's certainly I, I i hate to hesitate and stammer but um it, it's certainly a lot difficult in this situation right now today do you have a favorite musical that you played over the years uh, a couple, I, I, you know, the old cliche, you know, the one I'm currently playing is usually is usually the answer. But, uh, you know, there were some that were better than others. I, 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 I got good things to say about pretty much everyone except our buddy Ring of Fire. But I got a lot of I got a lot of funny stories out of that for another day. But, you know, first day was fun. All Shook Up was fantastic. Peter Pan was great. Uh, uh, 
it was a cartoon show, but boy, no matter how you felt with Peter Pan, even on the road, whatever, when that curtain went up or when Peter Pan flew through the window and those kids out there just started screaming with, you know, with just utter delight that, that Peter Pan is showing up. It's like, oh man, how, how can you feel bad about what's going on? All right, let's go play. It's fun now, you know? So yeah, there are a lot of Dream Girls is great. I love play. I I did a I did a short tour of Dream Girls. Maybe about a year or something like that. That's fun, man. Did you ever play that show? Nope. First twenty minutes, it, it's one it, you don't stop. And the drums, the drum, it's 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 sixteenth notes in the hi hat. That's connecting song to song. So you never stop. That's so much fun, <laughs> <laughs> man. It's all about me now. It is about me. It's just hi hat. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, so that 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 was a lot of fun. What are some of the things that you would say a drummer should never do in a Broadway pit? Be careful about zoning out. Stay in the moment. It's not that long, <laughs> you know. It can be if you're playing the same thing over and over again. You might have some, but boy, you know, try try to because and try not to get on automatic pilot because next thing you know something happens and you have no idea where you are you know hey that can happen in an instant but i'd say yeah try to try to just keep your wits about you try to let the conductor know you're 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 with it you're there so because you never know what he's gonna see up there especially if you can't see the stage you know you know what he's gonna see and he might have to get your attention quickly to change something if something's going on. So yeah, try to try to keep your wits about you. Don't leave, don't leave the don't leave the pit before the show's over or intermission. <laughs> you know, mentally. <laughs> Unless of course, of course it's really a good idea if you get out of the pit, but for the most part, you know, yeah, stay there. Stay, stay focused. Earlier in our conversation, you said something that piqued my interest. You I guess had started out by memorizing a lot of music for shows, I, I suppose, like when you were younger, did people make you memorize? I can't remember if you said that your band director or somebody would make you memorize things. Is that? Oh, oh, that was that was just oh, that was just high school a jazz band. Okay, that's that's all that was. Not not a whole musical. I don't think I ever. I I have you know what? No, that's not true. I, I, I Peter Pan. I did so many times. I could I I played that by uh, memory, but. Uh, but so, um, speaking of that, do you, oh, and I'm sorry, that no, wasn't Peter Pan. It was, it was, it was a Vita way back because I did that for two and a half years, and that one I did by memory. But that was that was a different kind of show. But uh, but I I wouldn't um, I can't remember. First of all, I can't memorize anything right now. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I I can't. I mean, even even Radio City. There's so many dance hits. There's so many things there to play. I I can't. I can't get my eyes off the music because I know I'll, that's when I'm going to screw it up as soon as I, as soon as I stop looking at it. So do you, you all, other than Evita, did you always have music up there to, to look at? And do you always look at the music and move the pages every, every song? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty, I, I might not be always staring at the music, but I'm, I always have the right page up there. You know, I might be looking at conductor a whole lot more and depends on the show and how often you're doing it, obviously. But I, I I have the right page up there. God forbid something you know happens to you or or leave you know something, and uh, I I'd like to 
be in the right spot at the right time. But the yeah, going way back, that was just our high school band director making us do that, just just to impress the crowds, you know. So that we, that's how we won competitions because they went, oh, look at these guys. <laughs> anyway, and I'm I'm not a big uh, I. I I'm I'm too I'm too damn afraid anymore to take my eyes off the music. It's plain and simple. I'll go thinking about you know stuff I have to do in the house. You know, oh yeah, I got to mow the lawn. <laughs> Sometimes you you know you can get into a longer running production. And oh, what are those? Yeah, Tell me what are <laughs> You've done a whole bunch of tours, but yeah, your shows unfortunately haven't yes. lasted more than nine months, which is man. No, the tour, yeah, the tours lasted long, but the Broadway things, no. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I'm but sorry, yeah, you can definitely start thinking, it's like, yeah, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you see the conductor's hand come down, and you you better be right on it, and you can't zone out. So it's important to, to stay focused. Even, you know, like you said, it's not that long. It's under under three hours that you have to be focused. But even in, in those three hours, you know, the 90 minutes that you have to perform the first act, it's a lot of mental energy. And I started realizing that doing the sister act thing, you know, being out of, you know, show practice for a couple months and then having to go back into that mindset, you have to focus. And it takes a lot of mental energy to read music and play drums and then watch a conductor. It's a lot of work. And people are like, oh, you only play for, you know, an hour and a half and you, you guys got a part time job 24 hours a week. Oh, I hate that. I hate when people <laughs> say that. <laughs> and then you go ahead and have a seat, have a seat. I'll drive your tractor and you sit here in this thing and you try to do what I do. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. driving a tractor is easy or, or right. cleaning a hotel room or whatever, but you know, took us a lot of years to get to this point and we're good and yes. we're good at what we do. That's why we're hired. And that's why you sit in the audience and you laugh and you dance and you clap, you stomp your feet or whatever, because Everything that we're doing, we had to learn over many, many decades in order for just all to come together. And in that three hours, you're thoroughly entertained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's my. It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. Great quote. Wow. <laughs> man. <laughs> wow. I don't know where that came from. But yeah. That, but, it, but, it, but it's. Uh... But 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 it but it's true, and it's like in in that whole part time thing, like Radio City, it's uh, you know hour and a half show. Yeah, but it's not the hour and a half because you know you gotta first of all you you know it's all the I gotta be there, and we gotta be on the band cart. This I gotta be dressed. I gotta be on the band cart this time. Um, you know uh, what's the time? Well, I mean, for for me coming from from New Jersey or whatever. All right, I gotta leave plenty early. Just to be sure, because anything can happen there. I might be here. I might be in town in 35 minutes and it could be two hours and 35 minutes. If, if there's a big screw up on the bridge or the tunnel or something, you know, well, <laughs> for instance, what, what, one day going to do the show, you're getting on my bus. All of a sudden the, the buses are all, they're showing up, but they're not going anywhere. The person comes out and said, <clears throat> somebody just let off a bomb underneath the, in the tunnels underneath the port authority. It was the guy when the bomb went off in his pants or something. It was, <laughs> it was a few years ago. Yeah. It didn't detonate quite the way, but nonetheless, they shut down port authority and like everything else. So buses just stopped going in. So, you know, I, I, I got in my car and then you couldn't even get near the tunnel because everything was so, you know, it's just, 
you never know when a day like that's going to happen. And of course, I think this was also early on where we didn't really have subs going yet. And and at this point, uh, all the drummers were living out of town. Uh, Mike was in Mike's in Connecticut and I'm in New Jersey and it's like, uh oh, and Ron had played the show. So I kind of got him, but he couldn't even take a subway. He was living, you know, way uptown. So he couldn't get on a subway to go downtown because they weren't having the subway. It was just, you know, one of those nasty days. It's a few years ago already. But in this day and age, those nasty days can happen in no time. So what I'm, my point is, so I'm leaving plenty, you know, hours early. So my 90 minute show, I, 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 you know, I'm probably putting in five hours of commuting just in case, you know, I'm leaving so much. I'd just rather be in town. I'll find something to do. You know, fortunately, Radio City has a sleeping lounge and a cafeteria and everything else there. So, you know, you can you can go and you get in there and go sleep, whatever. But uh, that hour and a half show takes a lot more. Uh, it's a lot more mental concentration than just doing the show. It's it's there's a lot more that goes with it. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't like it when people say eh, part time job. No, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you, Steve, for being a Please. part of this podcast. It's great talking to you. You're the same, man. It's been great. It's it, I think, like I said, I think the last. The last time I saw you, we did, we were both doing dance break stuff. It was, uh, uh, you remember that, you yeah. know, choreography? Yes. Get the, yeah. It was a while ago. I think I saw Long you ago. and Paul Pizzuti there too. Paul Pizzuti was there. That's right. Yes. Wow. All right. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, pal. Thank you so much. If you like what you hear on this show, subscribe to the Broadway Drumming 101 newsletter at broadwaydrumming101.com. To continue producing the high-quality podcast you're listening to, publishing engaging newsletter content, and posting YouTube videos, we would appreciate any financial contributions you can make. At this time, we have no advertisers, and we'd like to keep it that way. Our staff is small but growing. We can only produce a show with listener contributions from people like you. There are a couple of ways you can do that. You can sign up to be a monthly or annual subscriber at broadwaydrumming101.com. You can also contribute any amount you wish through PayPal at paypal.me forward slash broadwaydrumming101 or through Venmo at broadwaydrumming101. Or help keep us caffeinated by buying us a cup of coffee or a week's worth at buymeacoffee.com forward slash BD101. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash BD101. We appreciate any support you can give. Don't forget to subscribe to the Broadway Drumming 101 YouTube page. You'll find more content that isn't featured on the podcast or on the Broadway Drumming 101 Instagram page. Make sure when you subscribe to the YouTube page, you click on the button to be notified when a new video is published. Be sure to visit our new shop at merchandise.broadwaydrumming101.com. Thanks again for listening to the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast.